0: As you can imagine, this is very thrilling for me as a father to see uh, God call uh, a son to preach the word of God. And uh, so let me just say that Karen and I are, are just thrilled and we thank you as a church family so much for your love and graciousness. To Blake and Charlotte. Um, being in ministry. It is exciting for me. As I just prayed. To see some young people answer God's call. Amen. Um, it's exciting when it's your your own kids. Um, but you play such a big part of their early experiences in the ministry. And may I just say as a dad, it thrills me to see Blake and Charlotte are so excited about ministry. And that is somewhat reflective of you. That tells me a great deal about all of you because um, we obviously don't want to see young people going into ministry who become bitter because they've been treated Poorly or wrongly. And you've done the opposite. You have lavished love upon them. And I thank you for that. And may God bless you for that. Thank you very much. Um, is it okay if we just have a little levity here at the beginning? At Blake's expense? <laughs> All right, so we just sang together. Blake has always loved to sing, even when he was a little boy. And uh, Blake would just rear back and let it fly when he would sing. So, we, last Christmas, we were going through old videos as a family, just enjoying things, and we came across a video of Blake singing when he's five. And, uh, this is just in the front room of the house. And uh, Caleb, the bearded one over here, um, he comes walking through. He's, he's a three-year-old. And um, the dog comes through. and But you just need to see Blake at his finest, all right? So if you'll cue that up. <laughs> Is there a little bit more there? Is that it? All right. You'll never hear Shelter in the Time of Storm without hearing his unique pronunciation. A shelter in the time of storm. As only a dad would want to remember that. Actually, Charlotte's the one that brought that tonight not me, so he can take it up with his wife. (laughs) Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I chose this passage because it does two things. One, it addresses... um, Those who are in ministry, serving congregations, as Blake is stepping into that role as an assistant. And then it addresses the congregation as well. And so I would like to look at this from both sides, if we could. Just as a reminder that whether we're talking about Pastor Blake, or we're talking about anyone else, Uh, on staff in ministry and as you look at your role as a congregation, the Apostle Paul writes some very valuable words to us in 1 Thessalonians 5 beginning in verse 12. So he's writing to the congregation in Thessalonica and he says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. And are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men rejoice evermore pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you so when we look at this passage especially as we look at the first couple verses verses 12 and 13 notice that he addresses the congregation in light of those who are ministering with them and then he talks about their role and then he talks about how to respond in light of that so whether we're talking about pastor Blake or or any other pastor within the the congregation here at Berean Notice number one, his responsibility to you. What is the pastoral staff's responsibility? Blake in particular, as we look at it tonight. What is the pastoral group? What is their job? What are they to do? Well, it's two pronged. In verse 12, he says, First of all, we beseech you, brethren, to them to know them which labor. Among you, So notice, number one, what they are doing is laboring among you. They're to be right in the middle of your lives. Now, understand, as Pastor said this morning, when God has called those to serve, it is not to be in a pushy way. It's not that they're to be nosy or invasive in a, in a bad way, but rather when he says that they labor among you, rather it's the way a shepherd is working among the sheep. We had a couple in our church, husband and wife, who have sheep. We would go out to their small farm and Watch the sheep grazing in the field. And in with the sheep, they have a dog. It's a Great Pyrenees sheep dog. 150 pounds of Great Pyrenees sheep dog. And he lives with the sheep. He has a thick, double-layer fur protection um, all over his his body, but an extra thick layer around its neck that protects it while it's defending the flock, perhaps from the jaws of a wolf. And so they, we were watching that dog out there with the sheep, and they called the dog over, and the dog came over, and And uh, it was very friendly, and it would let you pet it. And but I noticed that it was always looking over its shoulder back at the sheep. It was always watching the sheep and making sure its family was okay. And the farmer was telling me that the the dog knows it's a dog, but it really thinks it's part of the flock. And yet, he understands his role is to protect those sheep. And it was fascinating as as we were watching that. So, in Indiana, it could be hot. Probably not as hot as it is here. Um, but we get really cold. And sometimes it's raining and then it freezes. and And that dog is out there in all of that weather, whatever it's doing, and it's always watching out for the sheep, protecting the sheep, driving off anything that would be a a risk to the lives of those sheep. Now, this, in a sense, it's an illustration, right? It's a picture. This is an illustration of what God has called pastors to do. Coming back to our text, to live among the flock, protecting them, caring for them, always alert to anything that could be a threat to the congregation. Pastor Savinsky does that faithfully. The other pastors that are here, Pastor Hurst and Pastor Wyman and Pastor Bowman, as they faithfully serve God, and of course, Pastor Sweat. For many years, has invested his life here at Boronia. These under shepherds, and may I call them assistant under shepherds, are out in the middle of the field without you, with you, so to speak. And how precious it is that, that you can pick up the phone and call them any time you need to, when there's something that comes up, and and you want them to pray with you. Or talk with you. The point is, according to the the passage, they labor, verse 12, among you. Investing time and energy. And they're investing that. If they're investing in the church, that means they're investing in you. They labor among you. That is their role. And so, for Pastor Blake, his job is to labor among you among you he is here to invest his life in your lives but notice verse 12 also goes on to say they not only labor among you but are over you in the Lord so they they not, not only labor with you but over you in other words this is their God-given responsibility to care for you. Would you keep your finger here, but go over to Hebrews and look at chapter 12. Uh, excuse me, chapter 13. This was referenced this morning as well. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And it talks about what Pastor Blake's role is as an assistant here at the church, carrying out what God's call him. It says, obey them that have the rule over you, and submit to yourselves. Notice, for they watch for your souls. They have that responsibility. They are going to, as it goes on to say in verse 17, that they may give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. So, as I'm speaking to Pastor Blake, I want to remind him that that your responsibility is to watch for their souls and never forget that you're going to give an account to God someday for how, you, how well you have done that. Amen. And I don't say that to be scary for this reason. Look at that next phrase. How do we serve if we are serving as God intended It says they must give an account that they may do it with what? With joy. There is nothing better than serving God. And there is nothing better than having the privilege of pastoring if that's what God calls you to do. It's not always fun. And there are sleepless nights. But when God calls you to do it, in the end, having said it all, you get the end of the day and that was exhausting. And yet there is joy. And so, Blake, never forget the attitude, the spirit in which God wants you to serve. And that is with joy. Let's go back to our text. Let's go back to. Thessalonians 5 and notice that the third thing it mentions here it says they labor among you they labor over you in the Lord and admonish you so Blake this is the next piece of the puzzle And God is giving you the privilege of investing your whole life in focusing on studying the Word of God so that you can point other people to the Word of God. That you can admonish them, this is what God says, serving God is good, obeying God is good, blessings come when we follow God. And so, you have the privilege of admonishing study God's word well, know it well, present it accurately, so that what you are sharing with people is what God intended, truth. So that is your responsibility. Now, let's go back to the beginning of verse 12, and congregation, as you look at this, and whether it's Pastor Blake, or others who are here at church, what is your role in this? It says, Paul says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. So, your job in this family is to know those who rule over you, who lead you. Know them. As the Amplified says, Get to know them. I think that's interesting. In other words, it's, it's a relationship that is reciprocal. There is the give and take of the pastors and the congregation. I think all of you would say, we want the pastoral staff to know us. And since I'm talking to Blake right now, congregation, they want you to know them. I think we would all say we, would li- we like when the pastors know us. They've spent some time with us. They know our names. They know our kids' names. And you want them to invest in you and your family. Well, what's this passage saying to the congregation? It says you, God wants you to know them as well. Know them that labor among you. You do the same. Know them. Get to know Blake and Charlotte. I know he's been here for a year, and many of you have already done this. But get to know them. Know Blake and Charlotte and Liam, the most wonderful grandson in the world. If you really get to know him, you're also going to know who Bo is. And even Louie. Do you know who Bo and Louie are? Some of you are nodding yes. Did you know we're babysitting Louie until this house gets built? So we have a 16-year-old cat who is very set in his ways telling us how to live. And he does that. And Charlotte's parents have the joy of having Beau live with them until this house gets built. They have their hands full too. (laughs) But here's why I share this, that it's reciprocal. I think you're aware that there are those who attend church. I I can say this, I have no idea what's going on here. But almost in every church, there are some who will only let the pastors get so close to them. They kind of hold them at arm's length. I like coming. Maybe I like the way you preach. But don't get too close. I don't want you to know me well. And sometimes it's because maybe there's something in their life that they don't want to deal with. And yet they're, they're under conviction enough they want to come and hear the word of God. They feel guilty if they don't. But, so they, they may become intermittently, they hold you at arm, arm's length, and they don't let you get too close. But let me, uh, let me give you something to think about. The body of Christ should be close to each other. Yes? Amen. I mean, is that pretty obvious? Yes. I think the eye should know the hand pretty well, huh? Because that's the illustration. God chooses to use to describe the body of Christ. After all, it's the same body. And the different parts of the body need each other. And so the fact is, we do need each other. The thing is, the better you get to know someone, then you begin to appreciate them. You appreciate what they do. I've had the privilege of serving in the same church for many years now. God's been very good. I remember when I first came to the church, I was as green as you could possibly be. And as I began to invest myself in the congregation and they began to invest themselves in me, they got to know me and I got to know them. And quite frankly, that included, they got to know my strengths and my weaknesses and I got to know their strengths and weaknesses. But it was good. And it was healthy. And, and it has knit us together. And so let me encourage you do that with each other. Verse 13 says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So he says, know them. And then he says, esteem them highly in love because of what they're doing for you, for their work's sake. The Pastor did a great job this morning of of reminding you, don't put them on an unrealistic pedestal. Don't have unrealistic expectations for those who serve you, but rather appreciate the hours and the energy that they spend to help you and your family grow. It's when you begin to understand what they do, when they're doing it as God has faithfully called them to do, that you esteem them. You value what they do. I thought it was interesting that one of the teen boys of of our church had just come back from the wilds a couple years ago. And he had just attended CIT, Counselor in Training, the extra week where they work on leadership skills. And I said, well, how was it? He said, it was great. He said the preaching was wonderful and and he, he just soaked it in. But I thought what was interesting is he said this. He said one of the things that made the biggest impression on him was the time spent over the weekend when all the campers were gone and it was just the counselors and staff at the campsite. And he went on to say, quote, I had no idea the amount of work that went on behind the scenes. And his appreciation grew exponentially for those who were serving at the camp. He, uh, he began to appreciate how much the counselors were doing to make the week a success for the campers. He saw just how much work went into those who served the food, those who cleaned the campus. I think we can make the same application in a church setting, can't we? His appreciate all the work that goes into making this something that you look forward to coming to and worshiping God together. And so he says in verse 13, Love them in love, esteem them for their work's sake. And then, last of all, he says in verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. So if, in the way that my mind kind of absorbs these verses, it looks like this. So this is, this is what the leadership is to do. It's what Pastor Blake and the rest of the staff, what God's called them to do. Uh, This is what you as a congregation are to do in response to them, this relationship. But but coming to verses 14 and following, this is how you as a congregation can help them. And so notice what, what Paul says to the church at Thessalonica. What he says to the congregation. And he says, Now we exhort you, brethren... Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Can I word it like this? Help your pastoral staff. Help Pastor Blake in his youth of of being in this role. Help the others who have more years of experience. You see, in Thessalonica, there were some in the congregation that were probably very young believers and came from a background without any work ethic and were kind of lazy. They were idle, as we read in other parts of the scriptures, perhaps even disruptive to the church with their behavior. And so Paul encourages the congregation to help that person learn some discipline and put some order into their life. So how does that apply to you and me this evening? God may want you to invest in someone else within the church. And in doing so, you are helping, you are ministering alongside those who minister to you. There may be one that needs to gain some wisdom. They're very new in Christ. Maybe someone that needs to learn some self-control to allow the Holy Spirit to control their lives. You help the pastors when maybe someone comes to you and maybe they're complaining a little bit. And I'll, I'll just plug it in here. And let's say Pastor Blake they come to you and say, well, Pastor Blake or maybe Pastor Savinsky or one of the others encouraged me to grow in this area, but I don't think they have any business telling me what to do in my life. And your response is so important at a time like that. When you can respond by saying, you know, I know that they are telling you what they are telling you is true. What they're telling you is from the Word of God, and they want you to grow, and you should listen to them. I um, I find it interesting that it says, coming back to our text, um, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. And that means encourage the, the disheartened. Feeble-minded in our terminologies today kind of implies something that the, the text really isn't talking about. It, but it's talking about someone that is discouraged. Someone that, that just needs someone to come alongside and encourage them. And, and this is something you can do. And in doing so, help your pastors. I guarantee you're going to walk into church one week and one of your friends is going to be down or depressed or something happened to them this week. Maybe they had a terrible week at work or the kids just overwhelmed them or maybe they're younger and they got in a fight with their parents or, or they lost their job or maybe they're struggling in their marriage. Well, what does God want you to do? He wants you to encourage them when they're discouraged. You step up and help them with that. And if if it's something that's over your head, absolutely come to the pastors and you help them where they need help. And it's in that simple kind gesture that you have been a blessing to that person and you are helping and being a blessing to the pastor's. You're helping carry the load. And then that next phrase in verse 14, it says, support the weak. Help the weak. I guarantee you there are some other believers that you know that are young and immature in the Lord and they need help. They need encouragement. They're weak in their walk with the Lord. They're still on milk and haven't moved on to meat yet. Well, how about investing in their lives? How about choosing to say, I will take some of my time and give it to them? Helping them in their walk with Jesus. And again, if you get questions from them that you don't know how to answer them, just say, hey, that's a great question. Why don't we call pastor? And let's get an answer to that. And you know, when you're doing that, you're helping that person and you're helping the pastoral staff of your church. There's a man who got saved in our church. He had absolutely no church background. He knew nothing. And he called me regularly. And that was fine. And he was just full of questions about the Bible. He was hungry. Well, it was a little bit later that I found out he was also calling two other men in the church about as often as he was calling me. They were pastors, but they were men that he uh, looked up to, men that, that he could tell they cared about him. And so he wasn't going behind my back. In fact, he was embarrassed what he was doing. He was so embarrassed that he was calling me so often that he thought, I'll call these guys and see if they can help me too. He needed, honestly, he needed all three of us. He just, he had a long way to go. But boy, has he grown. That's not because of me. It's because there were, two laymen in the congregation that, that just said, hey, uh, we will take time and answer your questions and help you. Amen. They were helping the weak. And can you see those men were not only a huge blessing to him, they were a huge blessing to me, weren't they? Because yes. that's exciting to me when I see my men doing that. Amen. And they were helping me with time. So, look at verse 14 again. How can you help your congregation as they're helping you? How how can... I didn't say that right. How can you help your pastors as they help you? These are very simple things. Look at the last phrase in verse 14. When you are being patient toward all men, are you helping your church... Absolutely. How about when, verse 15, when you are not rendering evil for evil unto any man, are you helping your your fellow brothers and sisters in the body? Absolutely. How about when you strive to do that which is good for others, in verse 15, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Is that going to be a blessing? All right. Verse 16. I know I'm I'm setting you up for this. Verse 16. Are you being a blessing when you're rejoicing evermore? Are you helping your pastors? You are. How about when you pray without ceasing? Sign me up if I've got a congregation that's praying without ceasing. And as the pastoral staff is praying for you. You see, it's reciprocal. What a blessing. And then verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So here we have it. Just bringing it all together. Pastor Blake, as he grows in this role of laboring among you, mean he is by God's grace going to invest in you. He is going to labor over you. In other words, he is, by God's grace, going to give you godly guidance, not because he's got a hundred years of experience, but because he's learning and applying God's word. And then admonishing, giving biblical direction. In congregation, you are going to help him and the rest of the pastoral staff so much if you embrace these verses of helping others and knowing your leadership well. Thank you so much for letting us be here. It's been such a blessing. Thank you, Brother Savinsky. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the value of your word. Thank you for the practicality of it. Thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is quick and powerful. It's alive. And thank you that every time we come to it, you have something for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to pray right now and ask the Lord's blessing on the refreshments. Um, I'm actually going to ask Pastor uh, Blake and Charlotte and the whole their whole entourage, the family and friends that came with them, while we are singing our dismissing chorus, that they would just go ahead and make their way back while we're singing, so they can get back there first. Um, moms and dads, please keep an eye on your kids. Um, There's some refreshments back there, plenty of seats. We're going to enjoy some fellowship, and so uh, let's uh, let's pray for the food. We'll sing closing chorus.